South Florida, is that you? Hello! Oh my gosh! How in the heck are you? You look amazing today. It is so good to see you again. Come on in and have a seat. Follow us or subscribe or whatever it is your medium requires and stay a while. We'd love to have you as part of our family. Say, while you're here, can I get you something to think today? Rose Hamlin once referred to Father as a peacemaker. Now that didn't mean that he didn't stand his ground when needed, it just meant that Dad had an honorable and delicately direct way of handling things. For example, the bottom part of the lot we lived on would sometimes be planted in alfalfa, or sometimes beets. But in the fall, we would turn the cows into graze. The neighbor that lived right across the street from us on the south got so that after nightfall, he would turn his milk cows into our pasture. Dad? We saw the neighbor's cows in your pasture last night when we got home. Dot and I think you should put the cows in your corral so that he has to be embarrassed by coming to ask you for them. That'll teach him a lesson. Hmm, that is an idea, Mason. I just wonder if there isn't a better way to deal with this that will get the same message across without causing a ruckus. It is a fine pasture for livestock, and I'm guessing the milk from that grazing makes it creamy and sweet. I don't rightly own the milk cows, but we labored to put in that pasture and water it, and he shouldn't be taking advantage of us that way. How can we retain what's ours while reminding the neighbor that our pasture isn't free range? Aha! Uh -huh. Dot, Mason, I think I have an idea on how to handle this. When it happens again, here's what we'll do. Well, the next night, sure enough, the cows were turned in again. So Dad got up real early and went down and he milked those cows. <laughs> well, you can imagine how the neighbor felt when he got his cows back to his barn and there was no milk to be had. Hmm, that's odd. Uh, is that all you got, old girls? I wonder if they is sickly. It would have been quite the moment when he had to explain that milkless morning to his missus. Can you just imagine that conversation as he brought an empty milk bucket back to the house? Where's the milk, dear? <laughs> well, you see, th there just wasn't any this morning. Wasn't any? Like the cows just took the night off, or what? I, I guess so. It's the strangest thing. 
it's almost as if they were uh, already milked. Already milked? Why would someone else milk our cows? Yeah, right? I don't know. Them old girls just didn't have it in them this morning. Probably a freak thing. I, I'm pretty sure it won't happen again. Whatever you say, dear, I trust you. <laughs> Thanks. Anyhow, those cows never showed up in our pasture again. Dad always had a subtle way of handling things. Kinda reminds me of a poem by Jules Renard. It doesn't pay to say too much when you're mad enough to choke. For the word that stings the deepest is the word that's never spoke. Let the other fellow wrangle till the storm has blown away. Then he'll do a heap of thinking about the things you didn't say. Dad, whose full name is Heber Jesse Meeks, was born in Harrisburg, Utah on the 9th of May, 1869, to Mary Jane McCleave and Dr. Pretty Meeks. In December of 1889, 20 years later, he married our mother, Clarissa Amanda Bowers, in St. George, Utah. They lived and raised their large family in the rural Utah communities of Orderville and Kanab. Living in the high desert mountain valleys of southern Utah gave us lots of wiggle room. And for a family of 11 kids, that wiggle room was appreciated and sorely needed. You know, we chopped a lot of wood, milked numerous cows, had a team of workhorses, several saddle horses for riding, and pigs we had to slop. There were always animals to feed, troughs to fill with water, stables to clean, and a summertime garden to water and weed. We all shared stewardship in caring for the farm. I'm certainly biased, but I felt that father had just about as perfect a relationship as a husband could have with his wife. He fondly referred to mother as Clara. When we sat around the fireplace as a family, he wanted mama to sit on his lap so he could put his arms around her. Oh, how we would giggle and smile seeing that kind of affection between them. Mother was so beautiful and father was so tall and strong. They were a great example to us of a loving marriage that appeared to seamlessly mix father's work away from home, mother's work in the home, and their obvious affection for one another, and making a life of function and structure for us to grow up in. The father did a lot of things in his work and career life to make him renowned and influential and respected, even famous to some. He served in the Utah State Legislature. He was a mayor, a stake president, president of the Regional Cattle Growers Association, on the board of directors of Dixie College, and vice president of the Bank of Paiute. Yet, what I find most honorable of him is of all those roles he filled in the limelight, he taught us through his actions and words that, as a homemaker, mother had the ultimate career. And that all other careers existed for one purpose only, and that was to support the ultimate career and role that mother fulfilled. Dinner's ready! Well, mother went above and beyond in showing support for father's work and duties as well. She fed and hosted the numerous visitors that our home saw over the years. And she always made our friends welcomed in our home. 
Father didn't just express love to us with words, though he did that as well. He also showed love by inclusion and personal attention. Father loved to sing, but singing didn't particularly love Father. <laughs> there were several holes in that old bucket that Father used to carry a tune in. Thank goodness Mother would occasionally join in to get us all on pitch. Father stood at just over six foot one and had a strong, expressive personality and was a fine speaker. While he had a good sense of humor, off-color conversation wasn't something he tolerated. And somehow he found the sweet spot between integrity and unsophisticated. I refer to it as honest, simple living. A father had high standards around respecting everyone and being respected. Why, Senator King had once declared that father was the most angelic man he had ever met. And good heavens, that's saying something about a man. There's a couple of stories that really showed Father's true colors in awkward situations and moments of mishaps. Father just seemed to have a good temperament about things and never lost his head or dignity over a sticky situation. The first story of a mishap nature that comes to mind is when we were out to a place called Bull Rush on the Arizona Strip on one of the cattle roundups. A bull rush is south of Pipe Spring Ranch, about 10 miles, as the crow flies, and the views there are 360 degrees of breathtaking, with Moonshine Point to the west and the Kaibab Mountain on the east, an entire horizon of vermilion cliff layers to the north on into Utah, and Mount Trumbull in the Grand Canyon to the south. The old rock house we built kept us out of the weather at nights and made for a pretty comfy base camp for our cattle operations. There is year-round runoff water and catchment from the storms and snowmelt in the canyon next to the corrals. Water was the pivot point for everything in the Wild West. Well, these roundups are a time where we gather the animals to brand the calves and separate the herds. Dad was a busy man with all of his community and church duties and trusted us to be delegated most of the work with the livestock. He gave us a few days head start in gathering and managing the cattle, and then he drove out one morning to check on how things were going. Hey, Dad. Boys, would you saddle me up a horse so I can look over the herd? Sure thing, Father. Dot? Will you get that old bay in the corner and saddle her up for Father? She's got to be the best natured of the bunch. Well, this was in the days when saddles had a front and back cinch. Dad mounted the horse and headed over to where the cattle were when the front cinch broke. <laughs> the other cinch worked back into the horse's flanks and he started to kick up and buck and just exploded on Dad. Well, Dad was an excellent rider, one of the best in the country as a young man, regardless of his ability. A bronc rider is only as good as his cinch, right? That old bay mare bucked right out from under the saddle. I can still see Dad in my mind, sitting out there in the air in that saddle with his legs straight and his feet firmly in the stirrups, like he was riding a ghost horse. When he landed on the ground, his only comment was, Well... I guess you noticed I stuck with the saddle. <laughs> and he did, too. He was still sitting in that old saddle. Rode it clear to the ground, he did. 
Thankfully, Father had a good sense of humor during those unfortunate events. To paraphrase the applicable wisdom of Winston Churchill in moments of harmless misfortune, nothing in life is so exhilarating as to be shot at and missed. Of course, F.J. Raymond had an additionally humorous take when he added to that notion by stating, next to being shot at and missed, nothing is really quite as satisfying as an income tax refund. Another time, gosh, it must have been around the year 1899 while we were still living in Orderville. I guess I was around 9 or 10 years old. Dad raised a patch of oats down in the field. The binder went in and cut the grain and bound it into bundles and then shucked it up to the yard where we were stacking it. We hauled two or three loads and was just getting the stack started good. Dad was on the wagon placing the bundles. Wilford was on one side of the wagon throwing them in and I was on the other side throwing them in and trying to drive the team. When the wagon was loaded, I told Dad, we're ready to go. Get up. Well, that old team started up with a jerk, and Dad went over backwards. One of the boards on the bottom of the hay rack was a little short, and his toe got caught under it. Well, when that toe broke loose, he went somersaulting through the air and out the back of the wagon onto the ground. He got up laughing, so we all thought it was quite a joke. Anyway, we took the load up onto Orderville and unloaded it. And then we went back down to get another when his foot started to pain him. It got so bad we had to take him home and it was two weeks before he could walk on that foot again. But you know what? He never yelled at me for that mishaps. It, it was clearly an accident and Dad let it stay as such. Claire Booth Luce once said, Happiness consists of a solid faith, good health, and a bad memory. I believe that. The first time I ever tried drinking was on K-Day. Elson Riggs, Burton McAllister, and several others and myself had gotten together and made some malt beer. We had been drinking a little of it when we were painting the K. When we got through painting it, we went down to the high school where the girls had fixed a nice lunch with some chili and things. Well, that night, we proceeded to drink and had a little too much by the time the evening was over. When I went home, it was one or two in the morning. I guess Dad knew what was happening. Anyway, it was our watering turn the next day, which was a Saturday. Dad rousted me out of bed at five o'clock and reminded me that it was my turn to help with the watering. I had a headache that beat anything I could remember. We went down to the field and generally Dad would let the water run out until we had one section all soaked. Then we would move it to another. My job was to watch until the water got to the end of the section. Then, ordinarily, I could go lay under a tree between times and rest for a while. Then check to see if the water was down. Well, not this time. Every time I would head for that tree, Dad would yell at me to check someplace. He just kept running me all day long. I didn't get a set down for a minute. It's a little hot this afternoon. Oh, no. Here comes Brother Pew. And Brother Heaton. Oh, no, and some others. I'll bet they're going to tell Dad I've been out drinking. I better hide. I, I got in the ditch. 
and I slid up through the willows to where they was talking. They were making it easy on Dad. I don't think he would have done it if it hadn't been for those other boys. I don't think you need to blame the other fellows for what Athy did. He can do his own thinking. He didn't have to do it. Yeah, we got through watering about four or five in the afternoon. I, I was supposed to have a date that night to the dance, but when I got home, I was so exhausted. I just flopped on the bed, went to sleep, and I didn't wake up till the next morning when Dad woke me up to get me ready for Sunday school. You know, Dad never said a word to me about drinking, but I definitely got the message. He, he was one to talk to us about things, but he never would light into us with harsh words. When I think of Heber Jesse Meeks, the words of Jeremiah Seed come to mind. We must consult the gentlest manner and softest seasons of address. Our advice must not fall like a violent storm, bearing down and making that to droop which it was meant to cherish and refresh. It must descend as the dew upon the tender herb, or, like melting flakes of snow, the softer it falls, the longer it dwells upon, and the deeper it sinks into the mind. Dad just seemed to know there was a better way of raising children without losing your mind or your temper over it. I always loved him for that. Thank you for listening to the Feeling Your Oats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Growing listeners will allow complete focus on content. Once again, I am just randomly being me. Until next time, remember, when your why is clear, your how is easy. And hey, we'll see you in the spring if the water's clear. Well, dad blessed it. I sure enjoyed the visit today. If you gained something from it, be kind enough to follow us and leave a review. And do it right now. If you would, it'd sure be appreciated. Your comments have been so considerate and honestly left me blushing. And good night, those reviews make a big difference in the program's visibility. On the Apple platforms, you select the Go to Show option. And then click the circle plus sign at the top right to follow. Then scroll down below the episodes to leave some stars and a review. Them algorithms need all the help they can get so as I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, well, share this podcast with them and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussions, well, don't just keep them to yourself. We, we, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on our Instagrams at fyo.podcast. And thank you. there remember to download the family tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode all those links will be included in the show notes sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth your gift is your ancestry your superpower is their family history stories that make you
Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye.